Welcome to Social Anxiety Solutions, your journey to social confidence. Each week, I interview an expert to explore different social anxiety solutions from both Western traditional psychology and Eastern energy psychology. Each week, we'll put new tools into your toolkit to enhance your social confidence. And today, I'm speaking with Emma Roberts, and we'll be discussing the topic of shame. So here's a bit about Emma. Emma's an EFT master and master trainer. She's a clinical hypnotherapist and an NLP master practitioner. She's the co-founder of Integrated Energy Techniques, which brings together energy psychology and the very best of working with Ericksonian hypnosis, NLP, coaching, psychospiritual approaches, and cognitive psychotherapy. Emma specializes working with highly sensitive areas such as trauma and sexual abuse. Emma, thank you very much for being on the show with us. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm excited to be uh, talking about shame and how it relates to social anxiety. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good. Good. Well, before we get into the discussion, um, we'd like to get to know you a little bit and mm-hmm. um, also hear some words of encouragement regarding what's possible um, as it comes to beating your social anxiety and uh, neutralizing your shame. So let's kick off with the first section of the show, the inspiration round. Emma, I know from experience that overcoming social anxiety can be a massive struggle. And for some people, it will take quite some time to really free themselves and be able to live an authentic life. And that's why we do this inspiration round every week. We want to... Hear some words of wisdom and encouragement and also be able to relate to you a little bit. So I'll be asking mm-hmm. a bunch of questions and I'm hoping to get some stories out of you because that's what we can relate to. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Great. Here we go. So can you share with us your worst experience with social anxiety? Oh, this question makes, made me smile actually because I was thinking worst. Which one was my worst? Because actually social anxiety is something that I have had suffered from all my life from when I was very tiny from being labeled shy to just kind of being not joining in and parties and things I had great strategies so huge brilliant strategies I'd never do anything on my own I'd always have a group of really close friends who I could rely on to go with me to anything I had to go with to talk to me that was a great strategy um and it worked after a fashion but um I didn't I still had the social anxiety if you like I still used to get very wound up about going to things but I think when when you ask him about my worst it took me back to my very first kind of training or standing up in front of a group as a trainer and that which was gosh many many years ago now probably about 15 years ago now and um Sue Beer who I, who I work with who I know you know mm-hmm. and I had used to work as we were coaches at hypnoth- and examiners of hypnotherapy and NLP training in London. And the guy, actually the guy who ran the training was the person who introduced us to EFT in the supervision session as it happened. But he didn't follow the path of EFT, which is a tapping technique, which is now what I practice. But what he did do is he challenged Sue and I to put on a training for our, our colleagues at this, at, at this training place. Wow. And now, in theory, that was great. I knew them all fine, comfortable. They were all on my side. You know, this was a really good idea. But I was getting more and more anxious about it. And I was using all the tools that I have to kind of calm myself down. And I, I kind of got it to the point where I knew my stuff. 
I knew I had total confidence in Sue because she doesn't suffer from any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of felt, yeah, okay, I can do it. It's fine. Until he brought out a video camera. At which point, I lost it. I completely lost it. Great, your trainer totally loses it. And I locked myself myself in the loo. And I just wouldn't come out. I couldn't stop shaking. I absolutely couldn't stop shaking and crying. I I wouldn't come out. (laughs) Poor Sue's having to crawl under the loo to talk me into coming out to do this training with her. Which Obviously, she was nervous because she'd never done it before either. (laughs) I think that's probably my worst. I, I threw up. It oh, was no. just, oh, it was God. just absolutely appalling. But then I got out there and I just, I thought, I've got to do this for Sue. I have to do it for her. I can't let her down. Mm. Which has been a bit of a story at the beginning of our relationship through a number of things. But um, so I, I kind of that took precedence in my thought. It suddenly didn't become about me. It became about her, and that's why I got, got out and I could do it. Oh, that's good. But um, it was, it was a horrendous moment. Mm. <laughs> I was going off. Off you that yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's also going to offer you walking down the aisle getting married to my husband when I shook all the flowers out of my bouquet but b- between the beginning and the end of that walk. <laughs> so I do know about social anxiety, yeah, to say, from a very personal perspective. Like although I, I have to say I no longer... I no longer suffer for it, from it, although, you know, occasionally it can ping back, but I know what to do now if it does. Right. So... Yeah, yeah, it's a very different space. And uh, interesting what you say about uh, I lock myself up in the loo because <laughs> I have uh, and it, studied and it was the inside of toilets too. so many times. <laughs> yeah, I, could, I actually I could not tell you what this looked like. All like it was it was a sound. I had this really intense buzzing in my ears that I just could not get out. It was in my head. It was so loud, like like when you get a radio onto a you know it misses the frequency. Mm-hmm. And you just get this huge buzz that was going on intensely in my head. And it was just awful, really awful. And I didn't know how to turn it down. You know, and I'm meant to be the trainer, so I'm meant to be the one with the strategies. Right. Well, I did have the, the strategies, but just <laughs> I did have the strategies, but they just weren't available to me in that moment. Right. Right. But um, they are now, if ever that would happen again, which it hasn't, and I've stood up and, as you know, presented thousands of times now right i won't say i won't say it's my natural place but i do now enjoy it at least so okay Great. which yeah. i never thought i'd be able to say <laughs> well that's a very good story and um you've also, also a very, very true one <laughs> yeah yeah it's difficult to fake that one right <laughs> come up with that absolutely <laughs> it's horrible it's making me go a bit hot thinking about it <laughs> And um, Emma, you worked with uh, socially anxious clients as well, or not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Although I find people don't actually present to me with that, but it's very often a very severe side effect that comes to light, kind of as we as we do our work. Mm. And as, as you said, when you kind of introduced me, you said that I do a lot of work with sexual abuse and trauma. I find particularly with the area of sexual abuse, this is kind of which will lead me into actually shortly into the shame aspect this is so often prevalent for people who've suffered from sexual abuse not always but there is there is no kind of always in any of this stuff but very very often mm. but it, it, you have to allow it to come to the surface if it comes to the surface people I, unlike you because you're you're kind of known as the expert in social anxiety people don't actually necessarily well i don't think anyone's ever actually come to me for social anxiety as a as the primary issue mm. but very often the work turns to in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. And and can you remember one that stands out who came to you that you work with and 
uh, can you share like a transformation that you saw your client go through? How were they before? What happened during? And what what was after? I've got so many stories like that, but yes. Um, well, one girl I can think of who actually had suffered from extreme, extreme ritualistic sexual abuse, actually, but that wasn't what she came with. She came with weight loss. Um, although she did, but this wasn't. This wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't a repressed memory. It wasn't hidden from her conscious. She was perfectly aware of what had happened. But she was, in essence, she was hiding from the world. She was piling on weight, getting bigger and bigger. And it was really interesting. She wasn't really eating very much. You know, she was constantly on a diet, but it was having the total reverse effect. And it was like she was, her whole posture and everything, she was kind of, she, oh, that's the other thing. She had a stutter. But a stutter only happened when she tried to say her name. It was so interesting. She could have a completely normal conversation like, like you and I are now. But every so often she'd refer to herself in the third person and then she couldn't say her name. It was really extraordinary. And, um, and anyway, she was basically hiding from the practically. She wasn't an agoraphobic, but she might as well have been. She wasn't really going out much. She didn't socialise. She didn't... She was embarrassed to the core, ashamed to the core of herself about something that actually that shame did not belong with her. And it took a, pers- a persistent, you know, it was persistent and thorough working through things over a reasonably long period of time. When I say that in the work that I do, that's not not long in comparison to psychotherapeutic work, but it's, it took about, I don't know, maybe about six months of weekly sessions, during which time the weight gradually began to lo- to go but more to the point, it was like she kind of emerged and and she emerged as herself and she had found her voice. She could say her name and she started going out. And this was kind of incidental. We weren't really focusing on it, but it was happening at the same time, which I found really fascinating. And at the end of the day, as far as I'm aware, I know she got married. And as far as I'm aware, it's not, not you know, the anxiety about being out there in the world and people seeing her, all that stuff has gone and hasn't, hasn't returned. Wow. I'm, sure, I'm sure I'd have heard if it had returned. I'm sure she'd have come back. But um, last I heard, she was getting married. That's great. Cause so it was, yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was, it, it, she was amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's often that you hear that people that have gone through that, that suffer for the rest of their lives and uh, ne- mm-hmm. never really overcome it. Um, <clears throat> I, I think the difference here was that she really, really wanted a life. She really wanted a life. And I know a lot of people say they do, but often there's something unconscious that's kind of blocking that. But she was she was really brave. And, and I, I, mean, I really take my hat off to her. She did a lot of work on herself between sessions. It was her commitment that got her to the change. Mm. Even And there were some really bleak, difficult times, you know, it's not it's not a straight path this stuff hmm. and it's and it's very challenging ups and downs and, yeah and really scary you know hmm. really scary sometimes and i think anybody who even begins to embark on this on the path of change like this and this is a massive change because it impacts every area of your life when you get over something like social anxiety as i'm sure you know that's a huge step it takes a lot of courage because right. you've got because everything will change people will relate to you in different ways you will well, everything will change, as you know. Your identity changes. It's cool. Oh, yeah. heaps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm a weird person to my 20-year-old self, completely. 
you and I both. And yeah. Well, my 20-year-old self would think it was a mistake, actually. Yeah, what <laughs> happened? I had a twin, twin out there somewhere who's behaving differently. Yeah. <laughs> but but even, even though that's the case, like, mm-hmm. it's so incredibly rewarding to be able to connect with people and have a good conversation and enjoy myself. Like, I, I was flying <clears throat> from the Netherlands to the Philippines uh, two days ago, and I was writing a list of the things that make me happy. So I wrote a list, like... Um, I feel happy when dot, dot, dot. And I listed all the things uh, that make me happy. 80% of it well, all had to do with friendships and times when mm-hmm. I was out and times when I was laughing and times when I was hanging out and times when I was road tripping. Yeah. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's so yeah, it's rewarding and it's so worth it to, to do this work. So. Exactly. It's all in that, all in that connection. But you can be really, I mean, I am extremely good at connecting to people. I, as I said earlier, I developed that skill when I was really little as a way of managing this whole thing. But it's, it, there's something else to it. There's the connection, but there's got to be, the connection has to come from the heart rather than as a strategy, if you see what I mean. Right. I mean, as, a, as a social skill. Yeah, exactly. But social skills are a great way to start. Mm. You know, you've got to start somewhere. Oh, it's interesting. You know. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. Do you do you find that people uh, that have a lot of social anxiety don't have uh, the necessary social skills? I wouldn't make a sweeping statement like that, but I think it's quite quite a large percentage don't because they haven't had any practice. Hmm. Okay. And if you're coming from a place of thinking you are less than, which is usually somewhere in the roots of this, you're not going to be yourself. So you haven't had any experience of relating to people as you. You've only had experience of relating to people as who you think you should be. Mm. If that makes any sense. Right, right. I think but none of it is generic. I mean, it's like anything. There's so many different ways of making it. We all do it differently. Right. And, and uh, the social skills that you have when you're not really being yourselves um, are, are also social skills. They're just a bit different. So, um, well... Well, they are. I mean, there's a certain thing, certain amount to be said for fake it till you make it on this, I think. Mm. If, but it takes courage to even fake it. Right. You know, you've got, to, you've got to do a lot of work before you can get yourself into the position where that's okay to do. But, you know, I don't know if you've, I mean, we've got, we're hosting Dr. David Hamilton in a few weeks' time and his work on I Love Me, which is his new book, or I Heart Me, it's called actually. And that's all about. This power, well, not all about, but a big part of it is putting yourself into this power pose and how the physiology, your physiology can change your, affect your mood and your belief systems. Mm-hmm. You know, if you smile at yourself in the mirror every day regularly for a month, you're going to feel happier, that sort of stuff. Right. That's really, really interesting. And that is faking it till you make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good start. I don't think it's the, the you know, the whole journey necessarily, although yeah. for some, some, some people it might be. <laughs> yeah. Always go with the simplest first. Right, right. Yeah, <clears throat> or do both, right? A bit of social yeah, skills and some, uh, you know. And some work. work. It, oh, no, absolutely. I mean, that, let it you enhance know, each other, yeah. Absolutely. But you, I mean, to, to do the faking, to make it, you probably need some form of support, or whether that's to another toolbox, you know, another tool that you've got yourself. Like in my case, just the EFT tapping that I do. And in your case, or whether it's you know some some other strategy or uh, external support, you know it's it's a really tough journey to go on on your own because I think the unconscious has a massive investment in keeping you safe. 
and therefore not getting out there because that's based on learned behavior. Right. So, what, why, why, why I kind of ask you about this is uh, I at first learned a bunch of social skills, conversation uh-huh. techniques, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and, and tried that out and uh, that didn't make me much uh, connect much more. It probably weren't very uh, no. ethical and uh, good social <laughs> skills anyway. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's interesting that you say that. So yeah, I'm thinking more of faking it to yourself rather than to others. Hmm. If that makes any sense. So like this power pose. There's a TED talk on it. I can't remember the name of the lady who did it, but if you look up power poses it's based on some i think it's harvard research or maybe yale or david hamilton's work that's faking it so it's you're you're not kidding somebody out there you're kidding your own physiology Mm. into so you're creating new neural pathways based on your on your body structure your body positioning if you like your body language at the starting place it's not the emotional side of it obviously but it does get put in the door Right. And and would you do that in the comfort of your own home? Because I, I oh yeah 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 no completely on your own yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, Tony Robbins's tapes where he uh, has you walk like you're a champion, and he has you imagine wearing a red cape and uh, smiling and you know puffy chest mm-hmm. and you know as as you well, take in a, on in that a way. posture, yeah that that makes you feel stronger, right? Yeah, absolutely. In a way, I mean that's that's kind of it's that Superwoman or Superman pose if you like mm. that does help but you're not going to do that around around you know out and about are you <laughs> well yeah you could <laughs> you could you might attract a fan base but most people most people with social anxiety wouldn't do that but you can do that in the privacy of your own home mm. yeah good okay so when when people are listening to this uh and they've tried a bunch of things to overcome their social anxiety and they've been struggling and they either have gotten no results or only really mediocre results and they you know they feel like giving up or they're you know highly skeptical that anything ever will work for them they fear that they will have to deal with it for the rest of their lives they're frustrated to the course what what would you say to these people i would say that with the new kind of development of energy psychologies and eft emotional freedom techniques which is a self-help tool that you can use for yourself it is possible to move through this I'm not going to say it's easy. For some people it might be, for others it might be a longer journey. And it may well be that you need an experienced practitioner alongside you because sometimes you need somebody to ask the right question that you're not asking yourself Um, or somebody who can kind of hold you safe whilst you go to the deeper layers of this because I believe the roots are usually deep, deep down in the unconscious Mm. And they need they need to they need to be brought into consciousness before you can actually move through it. Um, and that's what a skilled practitioner would do. It's very hard to do that for yourself. So if you find that you're getting a certain length of the way and then you get stuck, that's when you need to take it, get external help. That's when you need to call Sebastian. <laughs> or Emma, exactly. <laughs> yes, the expert. High five. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but seriously, that is that is what I mean. That's when you need to have somebody there who understands and who, but who's got the tools who can take you into the darker places but bring you out safely, which is not somewhere that you will go on your own. And that's, again, this isn't for everybody in every case, but if you're stuck, that's probably what's going on, probably reaching some form of unconscious resistance that you need a bit of professional help with. 
But I would say people do get through this and increasingly they get through it more and more. And the more people that get through it, the more that energy is out there. So the easier it will be for everybody else. Exactly. Fantastic. That's good. Thank you. So, Emma, let's go to the topic of the day. Emma, we talk about shame today because, uh, like you uh, mentioned earlier, it's something that most people with social anxiety deal with. Or you said that you know people with shame tends to have some f- form of anxiety as well. And um, I-, I suffered from it myself for the longest time. And when it was at its worst, I couldn't even look in the mirror because I was I was just deeply ashamed of who I was. Did, did you know it was shame? No. Could you could you give it that label? No, no I had no idea. I I, I, no. I didn't know all the all the I hardly knew what emotions were, you know, as a guy. Yeah. It's like I, I just I feel like crap. What's going on? That's, that's, that's a vast generalization. But anyway, yes, come on. But, yeah. as a guy. Right. But no, but it's just interesting that you didn't have that label. Right, yeah, I didn't I didn't really know. Well, I knew that because um, I had a problem with blushing as well. So I knew uh-huh. that I felt embarrassed. In, in those yeah. moments. Yeah. Yeah. Me, me too. I had that. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, anyway, it, it, it was just something uh, really challenging to get rid of. And especially because in the beginning, I didn't really know what I was doing. For me, it took yeah. quite some time to get rid of it and be really persistent with it. And um, yeah, so, so that's kind yeah, of that, why we're talking about this. And, I mean, I think that's absolutely key, persistence. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't don't give up. Exactly. So, <clears throat> in, in in your experience, uh, in your wisdom, how does shame relate to social anxiety? I think it's the root. I really do. I think it's at the core of it. I think it's everything comes from that fundamental place of lack, which is where shame is. Something is wrong with me. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I can't do it, whatever it is. When we take on that belief that we are shameful, we have, you know, there's something wrong with us, we have to hide from the world. Mm. I think everything else then, the actions, if you like, and the the behaviours stem from that. But at some point we make that decision based on whatever's going on for us at the time in our lives. And that doesn't have to be, I mean, I know I've mentioned sex abuse and major trauma like that but it doesn't actually have to be a big t trauma as we call them Mm, it could you know it could be something like a throwaway remark or failing a math test when you're small or being hauled up in front of the class or just just your mother giving you a look when you're you know doing something she doesn't like it could could be something as simple as that it's not you know and that's not saying that teachers and parents have this intention of of creating a lifetime's worth of shame. They don't. People are doing things with a positive intention for what they perceive to be the good of the child. But we make decisions when we're little. Mm. And we stick with them. They're like sequels and vows. You know, it's like, like you can't change that. I'm right, and I'm sticking to this. And then we search for more and more evidence to prove how right we are. And the problem with all that is, and we all do this one way or another in all sorts of ways, that's how we establish it our behavior patterns, positive and negative. But the problem is when we make these decisions such as this real core belief of shame, it's a mistake. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how can it be true? How can it be? Right. 
you know, and if you think about the language that we use and things too, I mean, I don't know if, because you, you weren't brought up in the UK, but we have, we have expressions like, you should be ashamed of yourself or shame on you and things. We just think, what are we saying to people? But that can go in. And a child, they can take these things literally. And that could set up a lifetime's behavior. Right. Which is make out of those messages, huh? It is, and it's really difficult to unpick because a lot of this stuff is the stuff of everyday life. So we don't bring it. It's actually a lot easier to work with somebody who's had experience of trauma or something like sexual abuse because it's actually quite clear Mm. at a conscious level that any shame there doesn't belong with them, and it's easy to root to get to the roots. Takes a lot of work, and it's you know, and it's. I'm not saying it's an easy journey, but from a therapeutic point of view, therapist's point of view, it's often easier to address that issue right. in the in an adult survivor of sexual abuse than it is in somebody who it's just been the stuff of everyday life, mm. just not quite good enough. You know, maybe the elder sibling does things better, or you know, but nothing that stands out as kind of oh yeah, that's that's what this is about. Right, much much tougher to find for yourself or anybody else. Because like you like you said, sometimes it's not this big thing that happened in your childhood. This massive trauma, <laughs> it can be you know just a bunch of negative phrases that that were coming your way, or just the way mm. your mom interacted with you, or how your dad yeah. didn't approve of you, and all that stuff. And I tend to find that's right. that it's it's sensitive people that suffer from social anxiety more, or I tend to attract uh, these people. That's possible too. But. Yeah. No. Well, no. No. I would. I would completely agree. Yeah. I would agree. With you. And it can be something just like a look on the face, you know, and it could, you know, the mum might look, you might ask your mum a question and she'll give you that look and you'll think that means I'm not right, I'm bad, whatever. Actually, it might just mean, look, I'm doing a million things and I can't answer that now, you know, ask me later. Right. But it's the child's interpretation. Exactly. And it's the child's, like you say, you're just a small kid. You're not really analyzing, oh, well, mom is just, you know, this is her way of being. So it has nothing to do with blah, 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 right? It's like, boom, it absolutely goes in there. Not. It's stuck. It goes in there and absolutely it's stuck until it's not. Right. Until it's not. But it goes unchallenged. I think that's the, that's the main, that's the real difficulty with this stuff. It goes unchallenged. In one of our um, advanced trainings, teach therapists one of the exercises we do is fill in the blanks my mother always used to say dot 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 and you'd be amazed what comes up there and how people stick to it we've had we had one girl saying my mother used to say people on our side of the street don't go to university and she'd stuck with it and you'd be sitting there thinking what right. <laughs> you know how, how the hell does that work mm. but we but that's the thing it slips under the radar and we take it on as absolutely fact particularly when it's from an authority like a parent or a teacher. Mm. You know? there's, there's been, there's a really interesting, I've seen this piece of research, I'm not, I can't quote it properly, but I can give you the essence of it, which I read a couple of nights ago, actually, which is about um, prisoners in the States, and they did a, they did a piece of research and some study with them as to who they might mug. <laughs> so they showed them film of various people walking down the streets, all sorts of people, all shapes, sizes, colours, whatever. And they all picked the same ones. And it wasn't the ones that were little and frail, necessarily. Mm. You know, there were some great big chaps who were picked, and it was kind of somewhere. Now they're trying to work out what it was that these guys, the prisoners, were picking here. But what were they seeing? 
it has to be something to do with how they are holding themselves and their body language, which kind of then translates into some form, I would say, probably of shame mm. about themselves at some degree. I just thought it was really interesting. Very interesting. What, what are we radiating to the world that we don't know we're radiating, you know, which is why that power pose and things comes into play, I think, quite as an important thing, yeah? Well, it, it, it is something that makes you feel incredibly weak, right? Mm. It is, absolutely. And and lacking, lacking. Mm. You know, we're not born lacking, we're just not. You ever seen a baby that's ashamed of itself? Yeah, exactly. You know, (laughs) but but this stuff can be laid on to us really, really early. Mm. And it's all a massive mistake, that's the tragedy of it. Right. And Mm. if if someone is listening to this, how can they overcome that shame? What, What, you know, what do they do? Well, I think... Well, I'm going to say they need to learn how to tap, obviously, because I think that is one of the really key things. Um, but I think, first of all, is kind of recognize that it's not true, that what you're seeing is true is actually not true. It's an illusion. You know, okay, if you've done some, committed some hideous crime or something, like we talk about sexual abuse, if you're the abuser, then shame is appropriate, whether or not you've got social anxiety or not with it. Shame, shame and remorse are an important part. But for the majority of people, certainly with social anxiety, that shame is just an illusion. It's just simply false. And it's all very well me sitting here saying that, you know. But it, it's, it's about searching for evidence search for evidence that is contrary to what you are seeing at the moment. So it's like putting on a different pair of lenses. One of the first things I would I do, if you like, is introduce people to uh, development, Sue's development of the heart anchor, actually, yeah. which is a way of looking at the world through different lives. She calls it looking through love's eyes as opposed to looking through fear's eyes. And again, it brings us back to kind of, and, and, and what, what is that for people listening to that who don't know what a heart anchor is? Would you like me to take you through a little exercise? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. So it's quite clear. Okay. So if you take one hand and place it on the back of your head, kind of at the, around your brainstem, either side of your brainstem, you'll find there are two kind of slightly bulbous areas. Mm-hmm. Everyone's yeah. following along. Yeah. Hopefully, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And using your tips of your fingers and the base of your palm, just gently massage those areas. And then with the other hand, place it in the middle of your chest over the heart chakra. So it's really that sort of central, okay? Okay, so that's... And gen- okay, gotcha, middle of the chest, yeah. Yeah, and gently rub there too. With the whole hand? No, with the... No harm, I mean, I usually use my fingers, but it doesn't really matter. Just want, you just want to have a gentle, gentle stimulus to that area. Clock, clockwise, that counterclockwise? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, okay. Whatever feels comfortable to you. Okay, and from this place, just close your eyes and bring to mind something or somebody that just always makes you smile, just is reliable, makes you feel good. Mm. It could be your favourite pet, it could be favourite colour, I don't know, it could be absolutely anything, your favourite room where you go on holiday, anything, just something that just kind of brings good feelings with it. Mm. And as you do that, rubbing those places, notice how that feels. What happens? Smiling. <laughs> Good. Okay. So you can let your arms down now because you probably get a bit tired. But what you've got there is basically the heart point, which is the it's our master controller, if you like, in, in energy psychology, in the, in the energy world. 
So it's where an acupuncturist might put a needle in to expand the chest area, to open us up. Okay. And the hand at the back of the head connects to two different two different points. Um, and actually is kind of the seat of trauma. It's close to the place in the brain where trauma is held. And there's actually, there is an energetic, you speak to an acupuncturist, you'll find there is an energetic channel that goes between the heart and these points. And they feed each other. And how I use this, I mean, that's getting a bit technical, you don't really need to know that, but how this is useful, particularly in the area of shame and social anxiety, is we need to start changing the eyes we're looking out of at the world. So I call it banking. Every time you spot something every day, it doesn't have to be all day every day, but if you see something in it, Maybe it's a sunny day and you feel a bit good about that. Or maybe, you know, I don't know, you're having a bath and that feels good. Whatever. You just, when something makes you, gives you a good feeling, just add it to those points. So when you, uh, when you notice that, you, you go into you just, that pose? Yeah, you know, just gently touch those points. And if you're somewhere where you can't put your hand at the back of your head, just touch the heart point. No one notices that. Mm. And after a number of, this is kind of, what it's doing is it's connecting us or reconnecting us to love, to that which is all there really is, the essence of ourselves, which is what gets forgotten and un- when all our stuff gets chucked on top of it and we make these beliefs and things. It's actually always always been there. It doesn't go anywhere. But this is a really practical way of kind of, if you like, reigniting that sense of self and that sense that connects to the outside world as well. And you'll find what you'll find after a while is you'll find you don't actually have to touch those points at all. You'll get really strong sensations in your chest in a positive sense. And you'll be looking around to see kind of what's triggered it. It's like your unconscious will get there first. Nice. And it's, like, it's, it's building a bank. So I do think we do a lot of work at clearing stuff. Mm-hmm. You and I both of this in the, in the therapies that we do. Often that needs a void. People feel empty or whatever. This is something that's always been there. Now there's nothing there. You need something to fill that void. And that is another purpose of the heart anchor. It expands and it fills something that's actually the essence of us. It's our truth. Mm. It's so easy and so powerful. I think Sue's massive contribution to this work. Love and, it. and that certainly would be one of my starting places. Fantastic. Okay. That's, so. that's good. Let's, let's get into some more of that good stuff. Am I here? We're going to go a little bit deeper. You've been uh, talking about tapping and EFT a couple of times already. And so um, can you share with us what your experience was learning about the tapping and what it has done for you in your life and you know, in your client's life and kind of what it is? Give it a little bit of an intro. Okay, well, should I start with what it is? Yes. What, what it is is it's one of the new field of energy psychology which is a coming together of Western psychotherapeutic techniques and Eastern philosophies such as acupuncture, kinesiology, shiatsu, reiki. And it's a very practical way of working. It's a combination of using language and tapping on specific points around the body. And what it seems to do is allows communication between the conscious and the unconscious mind if you like to to speed up so at some way it disconnects it works to disconnect kind of old thought patterns old neurological patterns and allow space for new ones to emerge there are lots of lots of people out there using it in lots of 
many, many different ways, but I tend to stick with the original learnings from the from the FT founder, Gary Craig, in the States, because it's a very thorough, persistent way of working. You might find people kind of glossing over stuff with tapping positives, tapping positives in. You won't find me doing that. Mm. The point of it is that you will, you, you address the negative, you, you, Speak the unspeakable, all the stuff that you really feel. You actually get it out there and you say it, but the key thing is you tap on the points at the same time. That's the difference between that and mainstream psychotherapy is the tapping, because the tapping avoids re-traumatizing. Otherwise, I mean, you'll find that, you know, if, if you came to see me for social anxiety and you're talking about it and we get down to shame, okay, and you're talking about shame and we're not tapping with that as you talk, you're going to go away feeling pretty shit. <laughs> if you're tapping whilst we're talking, we're going to be processing it at the same time and looking for the roots of it and tapping to clear those roots, to disconnect those roots. And you'll go away feeling, okay, you might not feel bouncing around with joy, but you will feel relieved, you'll feel a release, something will have changed. Mm. It will be the, it'll set a process in motion. Now, you know, I'm talking about one session you probably need many more than that, most people would. But it's also the joy of it is that it's something that I mean you can teach you can teach clients, I can teach clients and they can take it away and use it for themselves because I'm not going to be there before they have to go to that party. Right. Or stand up in my case in front of loads of people or whatever. You know, I you haven't got a mini therapist on your shoulder. But what you have got is fingertips. And, and a way of working that you can re- you can reduce the anxiety in and of the moment yourself. And I think that is the one most important thing about this work with EFT. The real gift of it is that you can do so much of it yourself. Okay, you might need a practitioner to help you through the blocks and the unconscious blocks we talked about earlier, but you can do so much yourself. And in the moment, you can do it yourself too and that's the joy of it to me because i can't heal anybody i can open doors for people but i can't do the work right. people you have to do it yourself as you know and this is a way you can do it and it's gentle mm. yeah you know, it's really gentle and it's effective so you know i don't do any sessions when i'm not using the tapping as part of the session obviously the nlp skills and the hypnotherapeutic skills and my language skills all go into the mix and i've got a background in psychology so it all feeds the session but i wouldn't not i wouldn't have a session without using the tapping mm, absolutely I, I mean i really really believe in it at a very core level i've seen seen miracles happen so often that i kind of get a bit blasé don't think of them as miracles anymore but right. you know it's an amazing thing Mm. And and things like with social anxiety and the shame and things. If you think about that feeling of shame, mm. you can feel it in your body, can't you? Absolutely. The you know, and, and the heat. Yeah, and that's that's your that's your starting place. You don't even need to go into the analysis of what it is, where it's come from, or anything else. To start off with, just work with your physical symptoms, and you can go on. If you go on, you've got the internet, you go on to I mean, our website or anybody else's website and you can download a copy of the tapping points and some very brief instructions and that will get you going. Mm, you can't do yeah. yeah, you can't do any harm. You know, the worst that could happen is that nothing will happen and if that were to be the case, which is highly unusual, that's when you need to go and get external help, get somebody to help you through that block. Mm. It, it really is. Things are possible that just used not to be possible. No, 
now that we've got the tapping. How, how did you learn about it? How did you f figure it out? How did you find out about it? <laughs> well, Sue and I, as I say, we were coaches and we went to, we were doing supervision for our hypnotherapy and NLP, which, you know, you, obviously you have to do. Mm -hmm. And we were shown um, a video of a blood phobia, somebody working with blood phobia with tapping and, and phobias are notoriously difficult. I mean, NLP made big strides into helping people work through phobias, but it's still by no means reliable. Not 100% of the time, but and it can be very painful for people, whereas this just was extraordinary. And it, it was so dramatic, this, this woman's shift, that it was on a video. It, was one, it must have been one of Gary Craig's. I can't actually remember whose video it was. But it was so inspiring that both Sue and I ordered all Gary's DVDs. I mean, actually, in those days, they were CD-ROMs, mm -hmm. and which was hours and hours and hours and hours. But it was just so exciting. Right. So we should then tried it out in our own practices because we both have private practices as well. And what was really interesting was nobody else in the supervision group, there were half a dozen of us, no one else took to it, including the trainer. Mm. We've trained them subsequently. But <laughs> it was just really weird. It just really grabbed us. And then we went to the States and saw Gary in action, which was just like sitting in on one of his CDs. It was brilliant. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately ended up doing the master's um, training with him, um, which was an extraordinary experience. Mm. And and it's just kind of I don't know. It was just taking this. You get I always talk about you get you, you get the tapping bug and then that's it and life will never be the same. You, yeah, you, you'll have it for the rest of your life, right? <laughs> you it, will, you will, and anyone can do it. Whether you're two years old or you know, it's mm. really anyone can do it. Right. There's no. All you have to do, really, all it requires is honesty mm. for yourself, mm. and and tapping a few points and if for some reason you're disabled and you actually physically can't tap it seems to work if you visualize it right if you imagine it so it's you know there's no excuse out there guys because <laughs> it really does work it's just so difficult to believe that something as simple and strange looking as tapping on your face and on your body while verbalizing certain things and tuning into emotions actually releases the emotion. Like I, I, saw, I, I saw this for the first time on YouTube and I, I, I didn't really believe it, but I had enough hope to do my research. And you, know, you said you ordered those DVDs from Gary. I did too, a lot of years later, but... Uh, <laughs> There was so many evidence that I saw on video that I'm like, this must yeah. be the real deal. You know, you're not going yeah. through a scam that long. You know, no, you can, exactly. you can hire that many uh, actors. So. <laughs> no, I mean, exactly, I agree. But also, you know, you've got nothing to lose because it's all free on the internet. You can just try it out. You know, on our website, we've got a free tapping diagram. There's loads of stuff you can follow on the internet. Just try it and see. And I, I would say that it does work. And if it doesn't work, it's not because the tapping doesn't work. It's just because you need somebody to steer you through it or at your side or to guide you through the various unconscious blocks, right. which we all, we all have from time to time. I mean, you know, exactly. it's, it's healthy to you know, dip into, the, again, an external perspective occasionally. I mean, I swap sessions. We all do <laughs> with people. It's, just kind of how it is as you progress different problems arise you know if you change your identity this much then then there's going to be other things that arise which may well need a helping hand to guide you through but right. just try it just try it that's all i can say really uh, yeah fantastic and, I, and get over feeling get over feeling silly i don't feel silly anymore do it everywhere <laughs> exactly anywhere. yeah 
you'll you'll get over that soon enough because that's a feeling too. It feels silly. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I, I purposely did it in public because mm. uh, you know your feeling is there immediately that people are looking at you at what is that weirdo doing tapping on his face, and then as you tap, that feeling <laughs> that you're weird kind of decreases. So yeah, exactly. Exactly, which is another facet, of course, of the whole social anxiety absolutely. and the shame thing. Yeah. So it's it's. Yeah. You can't really lose. It's all good. Win -win. It's all good. Give it a try. Mm -hmm. uh, Emma, let's move to the final round. So, Emma, like we um, spoke about already, for some people, uh, overcoming their social anxiety can happen quite quickly. You know, a couple of sessions and they can overcome the bulk of it. Some other people, however, they will need to go on a bit more of a journey. But... For any person that is listening, we want to leave them with some inspiration and some empowerment. So can you share with us a book or a YouTube video or a documentary or anything that is empowering and, and then share why you chose that? Okay, well, I thought long and hard about this one because I'm a great one. I've got sort of a stack of these in my little library. But um, the one I think I'm going to go for is something called Arthur's Inspirational Transformation. And it's a YouTube clip. Um, it's quite a complicated link, actually, but I'm sure if you put Arthur's I'll, I'll inspirational put in transformation... Yeah. I'll put it in the yeah. show notes, sure. So Arthur was a Gulf War veteran, and again, he had done so much damage to his legs, he was told he'd never get, he was never going to walk again. And he, basically, he tried getting help from all sorts of areas, he tried loads of yoga practitioners and things, and just nothing, nothing, no one would take him on, actually. Mm. And then there's one guy, actually, a yoga, yoga teacher did take him on. And there's this... It's only about a five-minute clip, but it's a story of Arthur's journey to rebuild his life. And I just find it really inspirational because he, lear he learns to walk again. He loses a huge amount of weight, and it's a real accolade for the power of persistence. Mm. So, so positive, and, and it's just that, you know, don't waste time thinking you're stuck. You take control of your life, and, it and you can change it faster than you might think. It's a kind of message here and it doesn't involve tapping or anything but it does involve a mindset and uh, it's just amazing it just makes it gives me goosebumps every time i watch it i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna watch it right after this i love it and it's so relevant because persistence is such a key aspect of overcoming oh. your social anxiety absolutely you know just don't give up mm. don't um, give up so to finalize this um this call this chat can you leave us with where we can find out more about you and then end by sharing your favorite quote oh i've got lots of them okay you can find out more about me uh, via my website which is www.the as in t-h-e e-f-t e for emotional f for freedom t for techniques center spelt the english way with an r-e Com. Um, and that, that will give you lots of information about me and about my um, colleague Sue Beer and all the trainings that we do and the personal therapy that we do as well. It's all in there, www.theftcenter.com. your quote. Oh, my quote. Sorry, my quote. Well, I've got lots of quotes, Sebastian. I don't know which one, one. to go for. <laughs> well, I like the one from Star Trek, things are only impossible until they're not. <laughs> I like it. You just used it in the pre-interview chat. 
Did you not? <laughs> Did I? Yeah. I can't remember. Well, okay, I'll give you another one then. Live out of your imagination, not your history. Well, Most of us are living living out of our history. That's Stephen Covey. Most of us live out of our history, but actually it's not really very useful to us. Live out of your imagination. Create a life you want. Fantastic. Inspiring until the end. Thank you so much, Emma. <laughs> That's my pleasure. It's been fun. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, you bet. Thank you for listening to this. Pay it forward. Share this with someone who uh, is helped by this. And I look forward to connecting with you next week again. This is Sebastian from socialanxietysolutions.com. Bye for now. (laughs) 